Welcome to Been There, Watch That, your favorite movie and TV reviewers, Justin, myself, Joe, and Dave. Uh, check out our website, beentherewatchthat.com. Joe does a great job of keeping that updated and uh, putting our breakdown and our reviews of the different movies that we cover. Uh, also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, BTWTPod. Uh, reach out to us on social media. We'd like to hear any movie recommendations you have for us. This week is Dave's pick, the 1992 Quentin Tarantino film Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs. So what do you think, gentlemen? Honestly, I'm not a big fan of Quentin Tarantino because I've always yeah. considered his movie just kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. And this one kind of falls into that category, but I find it more interesting than weird. Like, Quentin Tarantino takes something, a very simple idea. Well, th this like, is one of his first films, by the way. Right. So he takes, like, in this film, he takes a very simple plot and draws it out to an hour, you know, however long, it was an hour, 30 minutes, hour, 40 yeah, minutes yeah, yeah. film. But yet, it was still, it still kept my attention, which speaks volumes right there. Well, and that's a, I'll point this out. This is his first film, and it was an indie production. So the rest of them kind of got crazy. You know, right. Pulp Fiction, he really took on the weird, in my opinion. But this one's still not terribly. Yeah. Not what I would call a trademark, trademark Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, right. and, and it had a couple twists along the way that you wasn't yeah. expecting. So, so I was, kinda I was impressed. Keeps you guessing. You know, the, yeah. Kind of the the theme is that there is a a rat amongst this group of thieves, these diamond heist guys. So they're trying to figure out. Who's the undercover cop? Yeah. Well, Joe, do the rundown for okay. us. So the synopsis is, when a simple jewelry heist goes horribly wrong, the surviving criminals begin to suspect that one of them is a police informant. Yeah. Yeah, and you never see anything from... Well, you see a little bit of footage of, like, the guys running away from the scene. You don't see anything inside the, the diamond wholesaler that they rob. So it's all related. You're kind of visualizing it through their conversations because they're screaming back and forth to each other about what went wrong. Yeah, we don't actually see any of that it, on film. It's kind of crazy because there's only, you get the restaurant scene, you get a little bit of outside the warehouse scene, you get in the warehouse scene, and then you get in the office. Joe's office yeah. scene. So four yeah, places. And a couple other little ones. There's a little flashbacks. Up, to, up on the rooftop and then yeah. there's that bathroom scene with the police and the guy thought he was talking about. And, yeah couple little yeah side ones too yeah well and then uh the police or the undercover agent's apartment which actually was right, right above the warehouse in real life mm -hmm. oh okay so the warehouse itself was like an old mortuary really That's... yeah and the apartment that they used as his home was upstairs Nice. So I mean, crazy. That's the rendezvous point they're all supposed to meet at after yeah. the robbery and it turns into just a pretty rough scene with People dying on the floor because one guy got shot in, in the progress of this whole thing. Yeah, and the cast, it has a rather interesting cast of characters. Oh, yeah, run down the cast. This is crazy. So Harvey Keitel is Mr. White slash Larry, yep. and he's also played in Pulp Fiction. Tim Roth was Mr. Orange slash Freddy. He was also in Pulp Fiction. Michael Madsen was Mr. Blonde slash Vic Vega, and he was in Kill Bill Volume 1. Yep. Chris Penn was nice guy Eddie. He's played in, also played in Footloose. Steve, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher his Bashimi. name. Yes, thank you. 
played Mr. Pink, and he was in Fargo and numerous Adam Sandler yeah, movies. Yeah. Now, did you guys know that he used to be on a New York City firefighter? Yeah, and he was also uh, in Armageddon. Armageddon, I think, kind yes. of put him on the map. Yeah, and he was actually, he was retired firefighter when yep. 9-11 happened, but he actually went the next day. Got, to, got to, back in action, yeah. Yeah, to try to find lost firefighters. So that that was a neat story on him. Uh, Randy Brooks plays Holdaway, and he's he was in Nash Bridges. Edward Bunker plays Mr. Blue, and he was in the 2005 remake of The Longest Yard. You know, and he was actually a criminal. Really? Yeah. And the main guy, the old guy, I guess, had a pretty long, extensive criminal record. That's Joe? it. That was Mr. Blue. Joe, though. Oh, Joe as yeah. well. Yeah, the the kind of. Yeah, Mr. Blue actually blue. was in, you know, in a penitentiary for stealing. Really? <laughs> yeah, and he wrote some that. crime novels. And I didn't know about Joe either. I didn't. Well, know. I read that yeah, he'd been arrested five times in both New York and L.A., mostly for like drunken, disorderly <laughs> brawls in the streets and maybe punching cops at some point, something <laughs> like that. So, of course, Quentin Tarantino is in the film as well. Not only did he write it, but he was in it as well. And then Michael Soddle plays Teddy, and he was in Speed and Outbreak. Yeah. Interesting cast. Now, you know, it's a big cast, really, for a small independent film. Yeah, and it was, it was a big cast, but some... I mean, it, this wasn't a, it's just a bunch of nobodies. I mean, yeah, these... Yeah. You had a nice mix of people that you didn't really hear about and haven't really heard about since and then there's some well yeah and in 1992 you know a lot of of them weren't big yet right so yeah interesting so yeah a lot a lot of nuances to this film there's kind of a core group of the main characters and some of the other ones get Uh killed off quentin tarantino's characters killed off mr blue as well yeah uh one other one too i think but yeah uh there's Kind of a Mr. White and Mr. Orange. They're they're kind of central characters in a way. Yeah, they end up being the main characters. They're one of the opening scenes is them driving away, and Mr. Orange is shot, and Mr. White is driving in there. Yeah, yeah. That that one caught me off guard because literally you've seen them sitting in the restaurant, and Mr. Pink goes on his little rampage of I don't tip because. Well, and they had that whole conversation right off the bat about what the song by Madonna like a virgin's about. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're on that tangent and then all of a sudden they just all of a sudden, uh, change in scenery. The yep. guys in car in screaming, back, yeah. yeah, screaming, bleeding everywhere. And it's like, wait a minute, time out. So I'm, so when I see that, my first thought was, okay, I wasn't paying attention. And I missed something. <laughs> I thought, I figured your first thought would be, wait a minute, there's an explosion and I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why? Just why? Yeah. So I look at C and I go, did I miss something? Because she's kind of out of uh, radar on, on this kind of stuff. And I'm going, did I miss something? She goes, no, I'm just as confused. I said, okay, good. Did, so then I didn't, you know, see something shiny and just get distracted and not pay attention. Well, that's something that Tarantino's kind of known for is jumping around, I guess, uh, in time a little bit with different storylines kind of popping in and out of. Right. But I like how he came back to it at the end where it just kind of. It finally all came together. It's like, okay, so I didn't. So th- when I watch these, I don't read the synopsis. I would just start watching the movie and yeah, see if yeah. I could figure it out. So then I'm 15 minutes into it. Now I see the guy that was bleeding in the backseat of the car. He's bleeding out in this warehouse, and it's not making any sense. So then I go back and read the synopsis. It's like, 
okay, so I'm not missing anything. So then it made a little more sense. So it was it was a, a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The intensity of it is is definitely. I mean, just in your face starts out with a bang I mean, in terms of the way it's acted. Uh, this guy's actually in a lot of pain. It's not one of those somebody gets shot and then they just kind of fall to the ground. This is uh, pretty brutal and bloody and in yeah. your face. And, and I find it interesting. They say, we're going to bring a doctor, but yet you never see anybody say, hey, let me go call somebody or let me. So the guy literally is bleeding out on this warehouse floor. Well, I mean, you can't call a doctor. Well, but you would think being a mob, they would have like some kind of mafia uh, doctor or have yeah, to they're not gonna call of, a doctor. Well, I just found it interesting. Is that like, okay? They kept I, saying it to make him feel better, but honestly, I mean, in that situation, you're, you just heisted diamonds. It all went to crap. You're not calling anybody, right? Yeah, you're gonna keep a low profile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want anybody coming or going. Anything unusual? Nobody see something on the street. You're not calling a doctor, right? <laughs> but, Joe, and you're a. Uh, breakdown of the characters did you mention mr blonde and michael madsen and some stuff he's been in uh yes uh, yeah. uh he was in uh, kill bill volume one yeah he's uh definitely a crazy psycho character oh this. yeah yeah uh something got a screw loose because he just kind of recently gotten out of jail i guess did yeah. four years for yeah the plot that he did four years for the family so they were going to fix him up and give him a job and then asked him if he wanted in on the heist. And he's like, of course. <laughs> Supposedly, like, that's one. Mr. White just keeps harping on the fact that Mr. Blonde went crazy in the, in the, in the diamond store and just started, like, shooting civilians and stuff, basically. So, yeah, he's got, like, this uh, kind of evil-type side to him. Obviously. Yeah, he's a sociopath. Yeah. But I thought uh, he played that that role pretty well being the creepy psycho guy yeah he did have that was definitely a really good casting job on that part yeah you know honestly i thought they cast it pretty spot on you know you could i could tell from uh you know the two main characters like you're talking about the one was a policeman and he acted nervous i thought throughout the whole thing kind of kept a low profile undercover mr orange yeah mr orange and then uh Mr. White, I think, was kind of like the older gentleman that had more sense about him and was more caring about everybody. You know, he was kind of like the, all right, mediator. Right. He was like, now, come on, let's, you know, let's all work together here. Yeah, the seasoned professional. And he, for whatever reason, took, made the bad choice of taking an undercover cop. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of treating him as, he was like a father figure for him. Right, yeah. Like taking on this affection for him. And not and being blinded to the fact that maybe this guy is undercover. And I found it funny at the end, the mob boss goes, I didn't trust him from the beginning. It's like, well, if you didn't trust him, then why did you, yeah. you know, you know, I'm not trying to tell you how to run your criminal empire here, but yeah. if you think somebody's sketchy, then why would you even yeah, attempt he, to include him into this? He said uh, he was the only one I wasn't 100% on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, why would you even take that chance? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, new people have to get initiated somehow. Yeah, but still, even if you're questionable, I mean, why? Oh, I agree. I'm just saying, yeah. That was one part I liked about the movie is the flashbacks of uh, this undercover cop, the training process he had to go through, basically almost took it in as like an acting job. Like he had to, I mean, he had to know his story frontwards and backwards, both ways of sundown. He had to sit there and practice lines and and just kind of, convince himself that he was this character that he really wasn't that he's an actual criminal and not a cop 
Yeah. And those those scenes where they go back and forth on that was kind of cool. Which which something like that is very very hard to do. Oh man. Uh, I yeah. can't imagine. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen the show Sixty Days In on A and E? No. Okay. So what the what they do? It's a reality show, and they put plants into these prisons. They take you know ten regular people like us and set them in these prisons. And the reason behind it is the reason they first started the show was uh, this new sheriff came into a, a county in Indiana and it was rampant with drugs and weapons and everything. So he, and actually the old sheriff got in trouble for embezzling or something like that. So he said, I want to bring in, in outsiders in to actually be my informant, confidential informant, say, okay, here's what's going on. Here's how they're doing this. And here's, so then they can come up with countermeasures. And like, Every season they tried to bring in one and was like a cop. And hmm. every season, like the first cop, first season was she was a, a cop and she had a tattoo of a badge on her leg. And she's like, "How do I handle that?" I was like, they said, "Don't worry about." It. She said, "Now look, you know I'm a cop. I'm in the system." They said, "Don't worry about. It. We'll give you a false identity. You won't peg anything up on the the system because basically, if you're a cop and you end up in prison, you're just oh yeah, you're bait, yeah. And it's really interesting on these people." that they tell them, like, look, they, they go through this whole training process, so here's your character, here's your backstory, you know, and and it's funny how some of them go in there and they just take to it like a duck to water. Mm-hmm. And some of them, like, there was one guy, of course he was kind of an oddball anyway, at least on the first season, he walked in there and he, he thought he knew everything. It's like, they told him, said, just go in there, sit down, shut up, don't say anything. Walks in the door. Hey, y'all got ESPN on this thing? There's a ball game Tuesday night. (laughs) (laughs) So, and he lasted like three days because he didn't practice cover story. And they just ate him up to the point where he he forced himself to get into uh, solitary confinement. He broke the rules to get in solitary confinement because he literally feared for his life. So watching that play in real life, you know, I, I think, you know, of course, you know, reality TV, they edit a little bit. Mm-hmm. But to actually see, you know, somebody actually, the, the work that it takes to get in a role, it's not an easy task. Oh, no. Yeah. What a, that'd be on edge constantly. Just, I'm going to get found out. Right. Well, too. plus being a cop and, and having that gut instinct of, I can't do this. I shouldn't be doing this. I need to stop this. And, you know, you, that, that gut urge of, but the whole time you're going like, no, I had to let this play out, and whatever happens, happens. That that's mm-hmm. a very hard struggle to to get into. Huh. Interesting. All right, back to Reservoir Dogs. One th- one thing my dad said. I see if you guys had this impression at all. The warehouse scene. He said some of those scenes felt almost like a play. Like there's one just continuous shot, almost that they're on a stage, and I just. Just saw a factoid here that yeah, I was gonna say one, initially was gonna be yeah. To do this as a play initially. Yeah, so it was written in three and a half weeks, and it was supposed to be a play on Broadway. Really, did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, some of the scenes there's not a ton of editing. It's kind of just these actors there doing their take, and I kind of wondered maybe. If, I almost thought I heard uh, Buscemi stumble over like a line at one point. I wondered if they're just like. Keep it in. I mean, it's a little raw. Maybe it's not perfect, but it was a 
Well, and there was a fourth gunshot in the final shootout that wasn't supposed to be there. One of the blood packets went off early, <laughs> but they left it in. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Pink makes off with the diamonds at the end. Did yep. you guys notice them? And, and I'm interpreting this correctly that after he left, there's a bunch of gunshots kind of implying that he got shot by the cops on his way out or... Did you get that impression? Mm, I did grabbed, not. He grabbed the diamonds either. and took off, but then I thought I heard a bunch of commotion outside. Now, <laughs> did you guys catch, when they cut to the scene where, I think it was Mr. Pink, but I could be wrong, where he's chased by the cops and he's standing there shooting at the cops in the street and he drags the lady out of the car, did you notice the gotcha? He lays the briefcase down on the street by the car, he gets in the car, takes off, but yet when they show him in the car driving, that briefcase isn't still on the street. He They never show him picking up the briefcase. <laughs> so he gets in the car, takes off with the diamonds still in the street, but yet the next cut, they show that he's actually in the car and the, di- the briefcase is gone. Like, he actually picked it up, but there was not enough time in that right. <laughs> scene to, that he actually picked it up. And that was one of those gotcha scenes. I watched it, I was like, he left? And the scene he goes, yep. <laughs> It's like he left the diamond. She said, yep. And so I went back and read on IMDb because they always have that little gotcha section. That was one of the gotchas that mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I'm impressed. I actually caught something that I would had to go back and read and say, oh, yeah. <laughs> but did you guys see the budget for this movie? It was originally, yeah, really low and ended up being 1.5 when Kaitel came on board. Yeah, it was estimated 1.2 million estimated. Opening weekend in the U.S. was $147,839. It grossed $2.8 million U.S. and uh, $2.8 worldwide. Yeah, that's what I read. That Harvey Keitel getting involved and just kind of putting his name on it, kind of pretty much. I mean, that was possibly someone else could have done that same thing, but that was pretty instrumental. And... Now, I looked up here the final scenes of Reservoir Dogs, and it says... Once it all plays out, the sound design makes it the sound design makes it blatantly clear that something dramatic is also happening outside. Mm-hmm. Mr. Pink can be heard conversing with the police officers just barely. Doesn't say anything about whether he lives or dies. Tarantino ends with a telling visual featuring Mr. White and Mr. Orange and masks another sequence about Mr. Pink's fate through cryptic sound design. Okay. So interesting. I have to say, I really like the music soundtrack to this movie. Oh, great soundtrack. Yes. Stuck yeah. in the Middle with You. Oh, I laughed yeah. when, they, when it was and playing. That's like, really, of all songs to play at this part of the movie, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, so, it's a great, great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really, really good soundtrack. And then, you know, of course, um, Madonna sent him a record and said, that's not what Like a Virgin's about. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> What do you guys know what time period this is supposed to be set in? I mean, it's not in the 90s, right? Well, it had to be late 80s, 70s, early 90s with the Madonna yeah, I mean, reference. they had the cars oh, uh, yeah, the kind Madonna of fit. Reference. That's right, but most of it was filmed in a mortuary, which is the white, the and then uh, the apartment upstairs was his apartment, the police, uh, when he was a policeman. Um, had a lot of different casting issues. Um, you know, they switched around a lot of stuff. And Joe, the old guy, apparently was nothing but trouble. Yeah. He was toxic on on the on the set all the time. Oh, yeah. And they had some crazy offers from producers. 
Quentin Tiro basically said, I'm never working with him again. But yeah, yeah. Jail. <laughs> yeah. And then Mr. Blue had been a bank robber, the old the old guy, not Joe, but the other old guy. Yeah. He had been a bank robber in real life. Hmm. Uh, <sighs> he went straight in 1975 at the age of 42 and wrote several crime novels and then did some acting and screenwriting. Yeah. The budget for the film was crazy. The The budget was so low that many of the actors were asked to simply bring their own clothing as wardrobe. Uh, most notably, Chris Penn's uh, track jacket. The signature black suits were provided for free by the designer based on their love of the American crime film genre. Steve Buscemi wore his own black jeans instead of suit pants, and Michael Madsen wore a jacket and pants that came from two different suits. So they was really on a tight budget. Mm-hmm. As even as going as far as they would, they couldn't cover the cost of police assistance for traffic control. So the scene where Mr. Pink forces the woman out of the car, they can they only filmed that when the light was green, to <laughs> so they wouldn't hold up traffic. Yeah, what do you think of the suits? What's why would they all wear like matching suits, and why not wear masks also? <laughs> well, interesting stylistic choice for a bank robber yeah they were a gang I don't know I mean you know it's never really addressed or anything yeah they're like a mafia gang yeah I'm assuming so they could identify each other in the whole ordeal well I guess since basically most of them this was their first gig yeah it's like I guess they're disposable because nobody was supposed to know everybody and, and yeah. Mr. Pink was pitching a fit of why are you calling me Mr. Pink? <laughs> yeah. Why can't I be Mr. Purple? <laughs> yeah. So I guess, you know, it's one of those, ah, well, usually we'll get rid of me, we'll just get somebody new so it shouldn't matter if you need to wear a mask or not because I just mm-hmm. need you to do this job then you're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you go your separate ways and don't know anybody that way someone gets pinched, it's not a big deal. Exactly. Okay. Well, is there any part of the movie that you didn't understand. Now, I'm really confused about the ending. I read another one here that says they could hear Mr. Pink yell, don't shoot, I've been shot, as the police ordered him to throw his gun away and later tell him to place his hands behind his back. I missed all that. I didn't notice any of that at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah he, I didn't either. The, but apparently Justin did. He, I don't think he made it out. Yeah, He, he had the diamonds in, the, in his hand, but I don't think he got away. I just remember him walk, walking out the door with the diamonds in his hand. I didn't pay attention to anything after that. Yeah, I... I did get confused there for a second when when they had when everybody was holding everybody. I was like, "Well, if you shoot him, I'll shoot him," and I'll sh- and all of a sudden they're all shot, and it's like, "Okay, well, who shot the last guy?" And then all of a sudden you find out it's Mr. Pink. So I look at him and I was like, "Wait a minute, yeah, did he actually shoot? Because yeah. what he wasn't even in on this? No, he was argument. hiding under the stairs yeah, under the like, ramp. He's not even in the argument. So why is he doing anything? So it's like, so when you find out when he picks the diamonds, I'm like. Also, he just basically went into business for himself. He oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, forget all of you. I'll just take my diamonds I, and go. I went back to the beginning of the movie where he was kind of standoffish anyway. Yeah. You know, and he was mad because the guy told him his name. He's like, why would you do that? That's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, and he, the older guy, and they almost shot each other in an argument when the <laughs> Vega walks in, and he's like, you know, that you don't, this is, we're professionals. We don't act like this. Yeah, you don't say your name. You don't disclose personal information. You know, you ride this out. So, yeah, inter- interesting deal, and I thought he played that really well. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know. Did uh, I kind of liked the whole Mr. Brown, Mr. Pink, Mr. White, Mr. Blue. That added a neat little theatrical 
style to it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because anytime they're referring to anybody else, they're using these code names. Code names, for the yeah. Most part. yeah. Gave it a little bit of an anonymous feel, but also professional. You know, yeah, that's that's, yeah. You know, it's kind of weird. Like, so now you have Ocean Eleven, Twelve, and whatever. Mm-hmm. You got all those where they use their personal names, and now after seeing this again, I'm kind of like, why? Why would you give your personal names and you'd be famous? You know? Right. Kind of or infamous. Right. But you know, it makes sense not to use your real name. Yeah, it it all makes perfect sense and just well played. Yeah. And you know, almost well, like I said, it puts you in the mind of okay. I, we need you to do this job, and after that, you're on your own. Yeah, yeah, but, you go your separate ways. Yeah, you just do this job, and then you're gone. You're you're, you're disposable. So in an interview, a DVD interview, Michael Madsen says Kirk Baltz asked to ride in his trunk to experience what it was really like. Madsen agreed, but decided that as he went along that it was time for his own character development. So he drove down a long alley with potholes, then a Taco Bell drive-thru before taking Baltz back to the parking lot and letting him out. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's not bad. No. I mean, it was hot in July, August in Los Angeles, though. Yeah, but I thought it was funny. It's just like, I want to experience what it's like riding hey. in a truck. All right, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> i got to be honest with you. If someone said that to me, I'd be driving them around for a while. Oh, I'd be yeah. like, you're going to get a real experience done and done. Yeah, and West, on these West Virginia roads, you yeah. fun experience. Just, just hit yeah, potholes yeah. and just... Crank it up and here we go. <laughs> yeah, very true. Interesting. Now, okay. okay, so we'll fast forward a little bit. Yeah. So when uh, we learn that the guy that's laying, been laying there bleeding out since the beginning of the movie, he's an actual undercover cop. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see that coming? Uh, no, not really. I mean, somebody had to be the rat, and I kind of, I kind of figured it was him, just because he was detached at the restaurant. And they kind of spelled out they knew everybody else. I fig I thought it might have been one of the guys that had already been killed. It's like, well, that would make a little more sense. My other thought was Quentin Tarantino's character. Yeah, one of those two. Yeah, but, you know, he didn't show back up, so I was like, well, it's not him, obviously, because he, you know, they said we saw him get shot. Right. You know, and, and Mr. Blue was in question, but he wasn't back yet, so he's probably dead, and he was an older guy anyway. So when it comes to running and gunning, he probably didn't have the stamina. Yeah, it's, and then we the only way we find out is when they had the cop strapped to the chair and mm-hmm. pour gasoline on him. That was kind of a crazy scene. Yeah. The torture scene was rough. Yeah. So in the fun facts, Wes Craven walked out during the screening because he didn't like the torture scene. Really? Yeah, and, Vin, and uh, uh, Mr. Blonde's dance scene to, you know, Stuck in the Middle with You, yes. that was all improvised. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Oh, hats off when he, to that When one. he talks into the ear, improvised. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, that that mo- that scene was disgusting. Mm-hmm. But when he talked into it, I had to laugh. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah, this is horrible. This is disgusting, but that's still funny. <laughs> and he, when he pours gasoline on him, and he looks like he's kind of melting. That's kind of scary. Scary. Yeah. And, yeah. When he was, gruesome. yeah, I was, I was literally waiting for him just to drop that lighter. Mm-hmm. I was, I didn't expect one. I didn't expect the guy bleeding out to be the undercover cop, and, mm-hmm. and two, I was just wait for him to just drop that lighter i was like here we go and but i'm surprised that even when he did get shot that they didn't go ahead and just show him like dropping the lighter and accidentally mm-hmm. lighting the guy on fire at that point so i was I, a lot to take in on that just that one little clip and it was so fast moving yes you know just it flew around in, in points then it slowed down 
you know, like he walks out to get the gas can, he does a little dance, he slows everything down, and all of a sudden, bam, action ramps right back up. Yeah, he's right back up where he left off. Yeah, what? Well, just that trip to go get the gas can from the car is kind of crazy because there's so much uh, stuff, like just mayhem going on inside the building. Then he opens that door, and you can just kind of hear background mm-hmm. sounds of just like, kids playing, and stuff, stuff going, going on. on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that it's kind of silent almost, and then it comes back in. Yeah, that's and well, he's so nonchalant about it. Yeah, yeah, it's like he does this every day. Well, and I was surprised when they opened the truck, they actually had the cop in there. I was like, well, wait a minute, I wasn't even seeing, expecting to see that. Yeah, who thinks to grab a cop in a heist and throw him in a trunk and you know, might need him for later? Yeah, <laughs> I, kind yeah, of crazy. We need a little collateral here, boys. Uh, <laughs> they just, yeah, they had no qualms whatsoever about killing police officers and it's kind of crazy yeah and civilians too some of them but uh yeah that whole scene you referred to joe he's about to drop the lighter and then mr blonde gets shot like a lot of movies do a thing where at the last second you know a bad guy gets shot but that one i did not see coming at all and it, it kind of seemed a little more believable than other some other yeah movies yeah the way they do just it. out of the blue yeah yeah you, it, it was compl- a complete blind side there yeah. was there was no inclination or anything at that point of, mm-hmm. hey, this guy's the rat, and, yeah. and he's going to save the day. Or else, even if you, you know, you're still, even if you're at this point thinking, okay, this guy could be the rat. Well, he's over there passed out, coming in out of conscious because he's bleeding out. You still wouldn't think, okay, well, he's got enough. He's basically playing, playing possum that he actually is aware aware enough to like take this guy out if things get sideways. So well, that was one of the arguments Mr. White had for believing him that he wasn't the rat, is that he took a bullet. It's like there's no way this undercover cop is about to die from getting shot, and but then you find out that was just some lady that they carjacked. Yeah. So that was totally unexpected. That doesn't mean that he wasn't uh, in on what was going on in the at the heist. Yeah, and I I read where since he was being an undercover, playing undercover, technically he could not have shot back at the lady and been covered under like the police code of ethics because technically he wasn't a police officer. He was posing as just a general civilian, so he technically couldn't have taken his gun out and shot that lady and been covered under, you know, under the laws of... Uh, yeah, they they kind of zoom in on him when he shoots her, and you can tell he's like, oh, man, I messed up. Yeah. I found that I found that interesting. It's like, I never gave that a thought. It's like, well, yeah, this lady shot me. We'll shoot her back. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's one of those, I was like, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense on why he did it. And then read... It's survival. She's yeah. going to shoot him again. Yeah. Hmm. And then reading the laws, I was like, oh, wow. I, I never... Never even gave that a thought. Yeah. Yeah, now, Eddie Bunker, who played Mr. Blue, who was the actual criminal in the deal, he said that, uh, you know, back to what you guys were talking about, he said that he didn't buy the movie's premise since he had never considered committing a robbery with five complete strangers. Mm-hmm. Which, there goes my animosity, or animosity, uh, anonymity, yeah. there you go. Clause. Anonymousnessness. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he also said that uh, that it was just ridiculous that a gang would dress that distinctly when meeting for breakfast in a public place right before the heist. Yeah. Super suspicious. So, breakfast scene was kind of funny. Oh, yeah, very but, uh, entertaining. But, yeah, he says not plausible. So, yeah, and he would know. He was a criminal. Yeah, because it's one of those, there's too many 
unknown variables because you don't know the track record of basically 90 to 95 percent of your crew here you have a couple people that are 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 pillars to your organization but most of these people are unknown variables so there's you have no idea what's going to happen yeah kind of crazy craziness craziness all the way around hence how they got a undercover police officer in there and it went the way it did (laughs) yeah 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 you know yeah, the whole operation was they're trying to take down that, like the head guy, the real older guy, Joe. Yeah. Because at one point, I mean, the, the undercover cop's sitting there bleeding out, but he's like, "We need to keep, we need to stay here and keep this whole thing going because the old man isn't here yet at the run." Yeah, no, they're so the they're, whole point of is to they're coming to save us, but not until Joe walks in the door. <laughs> so he was bleeding to death, waiting to still make the sting happen. Yeah. It's a lot of blood. He had a ton of blood in the back of the car, a ton of blood yeah. on the ramp. I don't think he's got that much blood in him. Yeah. The, but yeah. It, it had a really good effect. You could hear it sticking yeah. as he moved. Yes. Bloody, bloody movie. Yeah. They dropped the F-bomb 270-sometimes, oh, yeah. <laughs> which, and, you know, there's other movies that come along. The Wolf of Wall Street, just to give you an idea, 506 times. Yeah. Oh, really? Which is also a Scorsese film. That's like uh, the Joe Pesci films, you know. The Casino, Pe- 400 yeah. and sometimes, yep. Yeah, because they said that was really hard to get Joe Pesci to do Home Alone. That's why he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he typically just drop an F-bomb like it's water. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. So anything, uh, what do we want to finish up here with? I know, I know we got to do our rating, right. but is there any other poignant parts of the movie to bring in? I, looking back at it now, Mr. Pink, I think Mr. Pink was a lot smarter than what th- they give him credit for. Starting back at the restaurant, his whole logic on tipping. I think he was kind of like the street smart, street savvy guy. Yeah. Not that they all weren't, because they were all obviously criminals. But I, but. He was at another level. Yeah. And his whole logic on tipping is like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, him throwing a fit on being Mr. Pink, I, I, I was like, really? That, you know, it's one of those you can see where he's coming from. It's like, really? That's... Well, you want to be a big, tough guy criminal. Right. Mr. Pink's kind of sissy name. But still. But to be a professional, you know, it doesn't matter what you're called. Right. But yeah, at the end, he's the one that mm-hmm. that got away. It's like you know, he he's a little bit smarter than than what he's portrayed or what you think he is. Like okay, this guy, he's just a follower and right, right. And but you know, he he's little he's a little a couple steps ahead of everybody else. Just when you think you've got him, nah, not necessarily. Don't count him out the fight yet. So, so I was I was impressed with that. Huh. Justin, anything else? Oh, one more little tidbit I want to throw out there. We talked about it adaptations into a play and even that it was maybe considered as to be produced as a play to begin with you guys know michael fassbender right yeah uh when he was like 18 years old and an art student he did an adaptation of reservoir dogs and then eventually ended up working with tarantino as an adult older adult then that's kind of cool really yeah Huh. Well, and I know uh, Vince Vega from uh, Pulp Fiction is supposed to be this character, Vega's brother. Yes, and they was actually going to 
do another spin-off movie with the both of them. It was going like Vega Brothers or something like that. That they was actually going to combine both Vegas. No, wait. Who's the Vega? Remind me again. Okay. Mr. Blonde. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. That's, yep. That's right. Yeah. So he was uh, linked to Pulp Fiction as the brother of Vince Vega, who was John Travolta. And then they were supposed to do a spinoff with, with both Vega brothers. Interesting. Yep. Okay. So I have again I ha I have to reiterate, I'm I'm impressed that Quentin Tarantino takes just a simple idea on a, a movie that's basically make make majority of it shot in a warehouse. Almost taking like a 10 second scene and expanding it out to an entire movie and yet to keep you entertained and engaged. Because if you really think about it, if you just look at the timeline from when they stole the diamonds till Mr. Pink leaves a building, you know, that's probably no more than a few hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, short timeline. Yeah. Um, limited, I guess. Props and scenes. Yes. And makes a whole movie out of it. Yeah. Because, you know, biggest majority of the movies, they the timeline expands over, you know, at least, at the minimum, days. Yeah, yeah. And this was just... Well, they met hours. for breakfast that morning. They right. did the heist. And then it shows a little bit of the um, Mr. Uh, the Policeman. They undercovered the policeman in his apartment right. before that. But I, I don't know if it, that was that morning or if that was sometime before when he... You know, started talking to him. So there's a little bit of a flashback there. But otherwise, the office scene where uh, Mr. Blonde gets out of jail, but it doesn't really say how much time that is before. So two scenes that are out of order, and then the rest of it's that morning to, you know, after the robbery, however long that took, a couple right. hours. Well, there's pretty extensive uh, flashbacks of his preparation to become an undercover. Yeah. I mean, that was probably months of processing. But, I mean, that that was obvious that that was, like, months, you know, whatever. You know, months before. Otherwise, it's all set in that, that one day. Right. But I love how it all unravels at the end. It's like they completely explain on how they figured out he's the rat. Yeah. It's like, he can't be the because you shot the guy, and... We know he couldn't be Ternos because he just came out of jail for a four-year stint. Stint where he protected the family. So, yes. yeah, it's not so, going to be him. So, yeah. so now tell me again on how why you shot him because he was supposedly uh -huh. going to be... Mr. Nice Guy. Was that his name, Mr. Nice Guy? Nice Guy. Nice guy. Uh, yeah, Eddie, I thought yeah. he did a really good job of just like calling him out on his... Yeah, BS yeah, yeah. Story yeah, he that. worked it out in a hurry. He's like, nap time out, it's this guy. Yeah, yeah, this isn't adding enough guys. Yeah, that was, that was good. Hmm. Okay. So you guys got your... Uh, Popcorn bucket rating ready? I uh, do, Justin. You want to go first? I'm kind of torn on this one. I can't. There's something keeping me. I gotta admit, from I, going I could large. be. In, I could be influenced on mine. There's something keeping me from going large, and the only thing I think it might be is maybe is like, did I really? How much did I enjoy the movie versus how much can I appreciate, uh, especially on a low budget, what it, he was able to do? Oh yeah. And yeah, certainly an argument could be made, and there's plenty of. Uh, Film students and well, folks I, out there that would say this is like a masterpiece. And right. I'm, I'm trying to find where I fit in that. Well, so I'll throw this tidbit in there. It didn't get win any awards. Mm -hmm. 
And a lot of people are like, it's a classic, though. So this is a classic by some standards, but yet didn't win any awards with all these actors in it, which, again, back then they were relatively unknown. They all went on to have good careers. And, yeah. you know, and, of course, first time Quarantino. Ah, shoot, I can't even tell Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino <laughs> film. So, you know, he's new. Mm-hmm. A lot of the actors are new. Um, so, you know. Yeah, that's one thing, yeah, I'd had to take into consideration that, for a first time, basically a first time major movie. Yeah, yeah. So, first. Uh, no, no, I'm just saying you would, if you kind of lowballed it a little bit, you wouldn't be off the mark. But yet, if you go high, you wouldn't be off the mark. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's one of those deals. I'm a, I consider myself a pretty, a fan, not a super fan or anything of Tarantino, but there's, yeah. he's had some movies that I would be flirting with a mop bucket on, but. Really? Uh, Which ones would that be? Well, like, Inglori- what's your favorite? Inglorious Bastards is one for me. That's pretty good. Yeah, it'd be a, a large with some kernels falling out. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Where do you fall in Pulp Fiction, Joe? I've never so watched Pulp Fiction. I've, You've yeah. never seen Pulp I've Fiction. I've never seen Pulp Fiction. Huh? I'd like to hear your thoughts, Joe, because I'm not totally okay. Ready to, to... Well, I'm I'm with you, Justin, as far as. It's really hard. It's a hard sell for me to give it a large, so I'm going to give it a solid medium. Mm-hmm. And and here's my logic. Did I enjoy the movie? Yes. Would I watch it again? Probably not. And it. I mean, it's it's not like it's because it's a stinker. It's a horrible movie. Was I entertained? Yes. I did it. Was there some some great twists? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But just for watchability, some of the, there was a lot of blood, and some of those scenes got a little too intense. Mm-hmm. It was like, uh, I mean, yeah, I laughed after the ear was cut off, but when knowing that the ear was getting cut off, I was like, I got grossed out on that. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's a solid medium for me, but, you know, well, still, well, if you've not seen it, it's worth a watch. But after you watch it the first time around, you pro- there's not a lot of oh I missed that or gotchas that would entice me to go back and watch it again. If you don't like blood though, you probably hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're not, if you're not into gory a little bit. If yeah. that type of stuff gives you makes you. I kind of one of the things you just said there, Joe, reminded me. You know, like when nice guy Eddie walks in and he, you know, he's like, well, he was going to set the cop on fire, and he's like, this cop, and he shoots him. Yeah. He's like, what? That's not even a point that you can make. Yeah. You know, that, that doesn't make your story doesn't add up. He's got and you know, and I kinda thought that back in the beginning when they rolled him out of there. He's he's dead. Yeah, that's what you I You don't think. let somebody see in your face or knows anything about anything get out of there alive. Right. So that was a interesting point. And I liked how uh, you know, nice guy Eddie pulled that out. He's like, Yep, check this out. Bam bam. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Moving on. This guy Eddie. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> that one other thing where he, where he admits to being a cop at the end. What do you think oh, that was? Oh gosh, just that was wanted, just wanted to get it off his chest. Or I dad, don't know. My dad said, "Well, he's already been shot a second time now, so he knows." But the cops are right outside, so I kind of wondered, like, yeah, why I, wouldn't you keep the lie up a little bit longer? I mean, you might survive this. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. you don't throw your life away for that for a criminal, especially if you're a cop. Yeah, don't say anything and you live because the That's cops are outside. They get you help. Right. He's, he's sitting there with the. Uh, Harvey Keitel's character, yep. Mr. White, with a gun in his hand, and admits to a criminal with a gun in his hand that he's a that he was the cop the whole time, and then gets shot. And oh yeah, a little bit of a head scratcher in that. Why you would do yeah, that? Yeah, no, that I think that's just a twist at the end that you look at and you say why, and then, you know, but one of those things that add to the movie. 
Well, Justin, I'll give you mine, and you can okay, come up with your yeah. final. I'm yeah. I'm kind of overflowing medium as well. Yeah. I like the movie. I would say a large, um, if there wasn't a little bit of inconsistencies in there, but um, overflowing medium for sure, and a lot of it's because of the soundtrack and just because of uh, Mr. Blonde's mm-hmm. acting. You know, he plays off the sociopath, something fierce. And, uh, you know, it's just, and they're neat little conversations back and forth. But once you've kind of seen it, I feel like I, I agree with Joe. Don't really have to watch it again. Right. Because those conversations are already made. So there's no more mystique to it. So that's why, you know, not a large, but close. So if we could do a ranking system, you know, good, solid three and a half, not quite a four, but, you know. O- overflow medium putting. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I just don't want to shoot myself in the foot and give a Tarantino film a. Well, like I said, this is his first, first foray, you know. So, yeah, some of the stuff, like their conversations driving around and some of the violence, some of it seemed a little over the top and kind of uh, unenjoyable to watch in a way, but it's not like I have to, you know, just have every movie be just totally butterflies and rainbows. Right. It was gritty (laughs) and it's okay, but yeah, I definitely wouldn't. Rewatch anytime soon, so I can't quite go large, but I'll be uh, I'll go with the overflowing medium as well. All right, so two overflowing mediums and a solid medium, so yeah, great pick, not bad. Yeah, yeah, throwing yeah. a little uh, weird stuff your way. So I feel like now, if somebody if at a dinner party, someone asked me if what the wanted to talk about the movie, I could talk about it. Before, I was like, I have no idea what happened because yeah. it was years ago I watched it, but now I can kind of. Yeah, well, let's hope that you get, you know, we get through this COVID stuff and you get invited to that dinner party where yeah. Reservoir Dogs come <laughs> yeah. up. I'm, I'm curious to see how that all goes down. Yeah, I, I want to hear the type of dinner party where this actually comes up for discussion. <laughs> you know, we need to discuss Reservoir Dogs. Let yeah. me tell you some interesting facts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is true. If nothing else, this podcast will definitely give us some interesting uh, conversation tidbits. Well, good, bad, or different, yeah, but it will be interesting nonetheless. Yeah. So, Joe, are you going to drop your next movie here, or are you going to wait and make yes, it Yes, I am. So, All right. All right. one of our fans, Bobby Nicholas, uh, shout out to Bobby. And, Bobby, I'm putting all this weight on your shoulders. Oh, boy. So, Bobby sent us a list, and I shared you guys the list off, off air. So, my pick for next week is going to be the 1982 mystery movie Clue, based off of the board game Clue. Now, my search says 1985. Okay, yeah, 1985. Sorry, I, I misquoted. Okay, 1985. Yeah, 1985 mystery crime movie Clue. Based off the board game. Yes. Yeah. And it features Tim Curry and Madeline Kahn, Leslie Ann Warren, and Eileen Brennan. Ah, Christopher Lloyd. Oh, yes. Michael McKean. That's ah, got a solid cast. Yeah. Okay. I've never I haven't I don't know anything at all about this movie. Nothing. I don't I don't either, although I did watch the trailer and the trailer looks really good. So so I did I'm, so I'm taking a page out of Justin's book. It's worked yeah. out well for Justin, so I'm gonna see how I can mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> well we're going we're going back in time too, I like that. Because uh, I was thinking I might go something older. So you're doing an eighty five, I might go even older than that for my next pick. All right. So Really? You got something in mind already? Mm, no, nah, not really. I've I got, got my list, list here in front of me. So. Some older stuff. I know what I'm throwing down next. So if, if this comes out as a burnt popcorn or a stinker, 
It's not me. I, we're blaming Bobby. So Bobby, I'm all. I'm just saying, if this is another Howard to duck, all of you are fired. <laughs> so is that going to stop all fan submissions at this point? The fact that nobody's really hired and getting paid for this just makes it all the more ironic that everybody's getting fired. Yeah. Just saying. Well, we're going to shutter the doors for at least a week if this is another Howard to duck. Yeah. It, well, it's not the first volunteer job I've been fired from before, so. <laughs> Yeah, the cast there's, there's a pretty good cast on it. So, so I don't, well, I don't want to say it because obviously Howard the Duck shot that theory out of the water. I was gonna say well, it's got a good cast, so it can't be a bad movie. But look at the cast on Howard the Duck. He said it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, Amazon Prime and Pluto TV. So there you go, nice. folks. Go check it out. So you'll, you'll be able to Yeah, you can join us for the podcast. Throw in some. Well, yeah, I'll say join us for the podcast. Throw in some. Uh, can you comment on podcasts? Yeah, somewhere along on somewhere our social in, media pages. Okay, yeah, get yeah. on our social media page and. Uh, Throw some stuff in there for us. Yep. Yes. Uh, tell us what your what your thoughts are on Clue. Yeah. Well, actually, any of our movies. Let us know what you think on any of the movies. If if we've hit the mark or if we completely missed the mark, and especially if you're a fan of Howard the Duck like myself, if you want to call out Justin and and, and and more particular Dave because Dave just beat it over the head with a Ugh. tire iron. So Ugh. if you want to prove me wrong, be sure to please uh, tag the podcast and I will let Dave know. Just how wrong he was on Howard the Duck. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Howard the Duck, really? That's where you're going to go from? That's crazy oh, oh, talk. So, so you want to die on the sword of Mad Max? Ugh, crazy talk. Yeah, that, that was my fault. <laughs> I'll take the blame on that one. No, he, Dave made it let us sit. Dave decided that we had to go through Mad Max too. so. Well, I mean, it made sense. That's all I'm saying. Made sense to go ahead and see the better Mad Max. Oh, okay, you want to call that better? More tolerable? Yes, better. Uh, that's up for debate. Oh, boy. Well, you know now, Joe, if you meet somebody and they say Mad Max is my favorite movie, you know, to just not be friends with that person. Yeah, yeah. Move, moving right along. Yeah, they, they need their head checked. Yeah, it's a good yeah so, to... so for that same dinner partner, I'm going to send him your way. Justin's like, yeah, Jeff, let Justin talk to you about Now, I am going to say this. I looked at our website because, Joe, you take care of all that good stuff. But uh, actually, really good website. I like the reviews. I like, you know, how you link it all together. So if you haven't gotten out there and checked out our website, check that out. Been there, watch that.com. Pretty cool little deal. I haven't checked out Twitter or anything else, but, you know, I guess I could. Well, there's not much going on there. I get on there and throw out our our two cents on. Yeah, yeah. Facebook page kind of recaps it all. That's pretty good. Okay. We'll get in there. I like old Bernie. Bernie with his mittens. Been spotted in Roby. <laughs> okay. Nice. All right. Well, uh, which one of you guys are taking us out of this ordeal of Reservoir Dogs? Joe? We'll let Joe do that. Joe, oh, all right. take us on out of here. All right. So for all of our reviews plus more, go to beentherewatchthat.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, been there, watch that. We're on all major platforms, hosted by Anchor.fm. And be sure to follow us on social media, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at BTWTPod for all that. And if you have any suggestions for movies, please let us know. We'd be more than happy to add you to the list. Uh, for example, next week's pick, my pick will be off of Bobby Nicholas's <coughs> uh, list. So be sure to send us your list and we'll be added to the queue. Yeah, no pressure there, Bobby. Yeah. You'll, yeah, just, Bob- you'll just be scorned and uh, made fun of for like 50 minutes. That's yeah. all. And, and I will send you the Bobby. I will send you the link every day for a week to remind you. That, yeah, you threw. You got. Look what you put me. You put me in yeah. front of the firing squad here. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, good stuff, gentlemen. Thanks for another week, and uh, we'll be back next week with the movie Clue. So join us. Been there. Watch that. 
over and out for the week. It's always a short week, though. I enjoy it.